0: Yeah, I say, he spikes it that way. He gives him another. We're at the one-yard line. Chance to make the right
1: call. Lines are set.
0: Leinart sneaks towards the goal
2: line. He's in the end zone.
0: Touchdown, USC!
3: Hey, USC fans! It's time to get into the game with the Peristyle podcast. Every week, you can get your Trojan football fix as the uscfootball.com staff brings you the latest on the USC football team and the inside scoop on recruiting. And now, here are your host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham.
4: Welcome back to Episode 3 of the Peristyle Podcast. If you want to ask us a question or have any comments, you can always email us at podcast.com at uscfootball.com and you can now download the podcast on itunes just search for usc in the podcast section uh the first segment we are joined by fullback brandon hancock brandon how you doing today
1: great Ryan, man happy to be here thanks for having me on yeah
4: thanks for coming joining us on the phone you had a very popular article this week uh, on uscfootball.com talking about the offense so we wanted to do a little q a with you uh, i mean first up obviously is the the biggest Battle position battle of the spring is going to be on the quarterbacks. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on what you've seen of these guys and how you think it's going to turn out.
1: Well, there's no question that's definitely going to be the hottest contest going into the spring. And there's along the line if you think back to 2003, there was pretty much a three-man battle there between Brandon Hans, Matt Castle, and Matt Leinart. And um, you know things didn't really shake out, but spring played a big role in in you know having Leinart come up and earn his stripes. And as we all know, he went into the season and really took over against. The, uh, as a starting quarterback against Arizona State. But the two guys come in, I think the front runners, as we would all expect, they're going to be Mitch Mustaine and Mark Sanchez. And, you know, both these guys possess an incredible amount of raw ability. I think from a prototypical quarterback, quarterback, pa- pocket-passing quarterback standpoint, you're going to look at Sanchez and say, well, he's probably a little bit better equipped. You know, he's a little bit taller. My, you know, he has a fantastic arm. Uh, he can get outside the pocket, too, and run on bootleg and still hit his targets. But, um, I think the biggest plus he has going for him is the fact that he has been in the system for the longest amount of time. He started under, under John David Booty, and he's had the longest you know uh, connection with his receivers and the rapport and, and the timing and stuff there should definitely play to his favor because he's been in the system as a blackshirt himself with them. Um, for Mitch Mustaine, though, he's demonstrated a fantastic ability to assimilate in, into this offense quickly. I mean, week to week on the scout team, here's a guy that had to learn a new role come in and, and execute it, almost like being an actor in Hollywood and improv but he did a fantastic job no matter who he was trying to emulate, and he was, and you saw a very strong link and connection with him and Damian Williams, and that, that duo there proved very threatening even against the starting defense of USC last year on the practice field. So uh, for Mitch, the biggest thing that he has, I think, in his favor is that he's extremely mobile. He's got a, a more top-end speed, in my opinion. And uh, you know he's just a, he's a gamer. He's a guy that makes plays, and he you know he, he exploits opportunities that the defense leaves out there on the field. But in any case, as Coach Carroll has always said, it's kind of the mantra I wrote about in the article that the, you know, the depth chart is always written in sand, never in stone. And this is going to be a week to week battle all the way until I would imagine probably late into fall camp, where these guys are going to have their chances to make uh, make a big impression. Their window of opportunity will come. It's about them uh, stepping up and shining. And whoever. Puts together the best package here in spring is going to go into the fall camp with that extra confidence and uh, and probably you know the, the front the front seat uh, for leading the offense here before uh, we kick things off here late August.
4: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I still remember back in the when Liner won the job and you know I, I realized how good of a talent evaluator I was when I thought that Matt Castle was going to win and obviously he did not. But uh, you know he ended All up right. going to the NFL, so he must have been pretty good, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah he still <laughs> he still brings it. But, you know the the fun thing about that is I didn't mention. Uh, just a moment ago, but um, not only Mitch Mustaine, Mark Sanchez, but Aaron Corp, he was kind of the guy that, he was kind of the Matt liner of this class, so, you know, you got to keep it on him, too, and he's a guy we all know can really slice and dice the defense with his feet, you know, he's got an arm, too, I know he's kind of a little bit of the underdog here, but sometimes it's a good situation for a quarterback to be in, because they can go out of inhibition and go let it fly and just see what happens.
4: Yeah, it looks like he's developed a little bit from his freshman year last year, but I think he still has a ways to go. But, you know, who, who's, who knows? Anything can happen out there. But let's switch up to the uh, the big uglies up front. Guys blocking for the quarterback. They lose four of the starters. Uh, what are your thoughts there on, on what they're going to do to try and replace those guys?
1: Well, there's got to be a lot of voids left there to, to, they need to be filled and you know, the one thing that you can count on that I like is that, you know, Chris Crow Dowd is a guy who had starting experience. He played a lot last year. I mean, he's going to come back, you know, more or less a redshirt type of freshman player with, you know, I think four good years ahead of him. He didn't burn an eligibility year, if I recall correctly. But in any case, this guy, you know, he, he showed, a, he demonstrated a tremendous amount of integrity and poise and, and calm coolness. And he learned the offense better than most people would have thought, you know, with Matt Khalil departing. And other people going down last year, he stepped in and did a phenomenal job when they called on him. So he's ready to go, and I think that he's definitely a lot on that spot. Jeff Byers, in my opinion, will be the guy that has to step up as the vocal leader. Uh, the, he has the most experience playing. Uh, he's a guy that has a tremendous amount of downfield hustle. He leads by example. He works harder than just about anybody I've ever seen in that weight room. So he's a guy that the younger people can definitely learn from and take a little bit of his wisdom and discipline and apply that to their own game. Uh Additionally, you know, Butch Lewis stepped in. The one thing they got going for them is a lot of these guys, even though they haven't been starters in a big role, they've, they've all contributed rather significantly at least one point or another during their playing careers. You know, Charles Brown has seen Lewis. And, uh, you know, Nick Howell, too, has been in games quite a bit. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of room that's going to be available there. But it's just going to depend on, on these ballots coming up here in the future. But I'd like to say, you know, Butch had a phenomenal, uh, you know, when he came in last season for the games, he had to fill in for Sam Baker. He did a great job. You know, he knew his stuff. He dominated the line of scrimmage. He's got good feet. he's a lot of good size. Uh, I think Nick Howell's come a long way in his development, and he's a guy that naturally is built as a premier tackle. And, uh, you know, I guess it's probably going to be that right guard spot that really is where uh, there's going to be the biggest, you know, head-to-head confrontation there to, to get a, to get some playing time.
4: Yeah, one of the, uh, the wild cards here, people ask about all the time on the message board, is Thomas Herring, just because he's so big, 6'6", 320 right. or so. And Have you got to see much of him, and, and what are your thoughts about his development so far?
1: You know, he's come a long way since he came in here. First and foremost, you know, he, Thomas came from a little bit of a tougher background, and it took him a while to kind of buy in and understand how the system works and to trust in it and believe it, and, uh, you know, some guys you see come in a little bit recalcitrant. They don't want to listen to authority just right away, but he's he's definitely seen the light, you know, and he's, he's, he's matured tremendously. His body's matured. The one thing that's really hampered him is just he's had a string of injuries that have kept him from getting a lot of live action on the field, and, and he's missed a lot of practices. But there's no doubt in my mind, I mean, he has the physical attributes to be a dominant force out there, but I think the real, the real battle's going to be between his ears, making sure that he can – Fully, you know, comprehend the offense, execute it, you know, make decisions on the fly, make the reads, and do the right thing. Because as you know, I mean, you could be a great athlete, you could run a four-five versus the guy running a four-seven, but you're, if you're running four-five in the wrong direction, it's not doing anybody any good. So, <laughs> yeah. um, in this case, you know, he's a guy that has all that stuff. But if, if he can really hit the books and do well, he's going to be right up there, and he'll be looked at and evaluated by the coaches, and he'll have his opportunities to really step in and, and do his thing.
4: Now, you talked before about the depth chart being. Uh, etched in sand and not in stone i mean if you look at the skill guys receiver and, and the tailbacks i mean there's just so many bodies and so many really highly right. ranked bodies four and five star guys everywhere and what how do you think this is going to shake out in the spring are they going to be able to pick like the top couple guys in each group or is it still going to be a progress all the way through fall camp?
1: I would imagine it's going to be dealt with, you know, just the same way it has in the past. It's going to be a continual evaluation process. The coaches, they, they, account for everything, not just on the field, but they watch these guys in the off season. Who are they hanging out with? What are they doing on their free time? Are they coming to watch tape? Uh, who's putting in extra hours in the weight room? These, these all, all these little things add up and they count for something
5: in the long run.
1: And character is a big part of it too, but. This, in the spring now, I mean, it's their job to shuffle the cards, you know, put the, the pieces of the puzzle together together to, to find the best combination of what's going to work and what won't. I think that they'll get a loose idea. But this time too, also is a time to get guys that haven't got a lot of experience to put them in with the first team unit, let them grow up a little bit, if you will, you know, get these, get these guys live action reps with the big dogs, you know, help them gain confidence, gain maturity. So I think you're going to see a lot of rotation as usual. There's going to be fluctuations with guys here and there. Some guys get nicked up, but um, you know, there's definitely going to be front runners for each spot, and there's guys that have experience out there and have done good things. Wide receiver, in particular, you know, I think all Hilton's come a long way. Uh, Patrick Turner is, is again going to be the voice and the leader, uh, but you know, Ronald Johnson's a guy I could, I would really look forward to seeing how he comes along and develops through through his progression there and, and getting coached up by uh, all the new guys and stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of, and it's the same with the running back position. There's so much so many bodies as you mentioned I mean, especially with mark tyler and broader green coming back adding some some beefs at the backfield um it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes up and you got cj gable in the mix and you know there's so many options and opportunities it's just these coaches are eager to get out there and you know, unwrap the new toys that they got and, and put them put them to use and see how uh, how they all perform.
4: Yeah, I mean, you could mention your top four or five guys at the position and still leave out some really big names. It's 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 pretty funny. I, maybe maybe we should talk a little about the fullback since that's the position you played. What do you think of Havili? And there's not too much depth behind him. It looks like.
1: You know, really, you're absolutely right. There's not a lot of depth of because he's a unique individual in the sense that he can get a lot of things accomplished in one body. Uh, ideally, a fullback in this type of offense. You know, it's the same offense that. Charles Brutus 84 is a guy that has the ability. Who's multifaceted enough to get down three point and dig linebackers out of the hole. Who's going to get his face dirty, block. Who can pass protect. Who can catch. Who has enough speed to run. And Stanley's a guy who has vision too. Who I think you know at times can they can motion you know Joe McNider coming out of the backfield to line up as a receiver spot. Put him in a single back you know formation. Let him carry the ball too. I mean he's a guy he was a tailback in high school and I've seen him run. I, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen, but. It's very rare to find someone like Stanley that can encompass all those, those, you know, qualities and attributes. Um, I think that there are some good guys behind him. Uh, John Blake on the name of the the, guy, the one young man who walked on, Adam um, Goodman, I believe.
4: Adam Goodman, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, he's he's proven himself. I mean, his guy's a battler, you know, he's, he's scrappy and tough, and he gets in there and he's going to be a guy who, if I want to draw a relationship, would be kind of like a Lee Webb, a dude that's more like a, a bowling ball they're going to put in there. They can, you know, really, really move the line of scrimmage and hit guys and, and clear holes for running backs. But you're right. I think that there's definitely opportunities there. And, and if Stanley does get hurt, they're gonna, it's gonna affect the offensive production because without a fullback that can do things like him, you have to start designating people that specialize in either blocking or receiving. And then defenses can start identifying what you're going to be doing based upon the formation you come out in and who's playing that spot. So um, Stanley's come a long way. I'm extremely excited to see his production and what he's done for this team. He's only going to get better and better. And having, you know, a fullback like him and a a tight end that can do both as well as a deadly combination, it really opens this offense up.
4: Yeah, all right. Well, hey, thanks, Brandon, for your time and joining us for this first segment. Actually, you can stay tuned to uscfootball.com. Brandon's going to be doing a preview of the defense. And to give you a little preview of that preview, I actually talked to Kevin Thomas. He was... uh, uh, kind of a big topic on the message board everyone was wondering about his ability to to cover guys and how he's going to come back from his injury so i talked to him on tuesday after the workout and you can hear that interview now but before that thank you very much brandon for your time uh, always fun, man. Thanks a bunch. We'll- all right we're here with uh kevin thomas otherwise known as Quito. i just wanted to get an update on your injury and uh how the rehab's going and how you're feeling out here uh, i feel
6: great the rehab you know it's pretty much done all that's left is to really, you know, focus on the weight room, get strong, all my motions back, and so now it's just time to use it, put it to work. Can you kind of describe the injury for people who don't know what was going on there? I had a torn labrum, and uh, my shoulder was loose in the front and back socket, so pretty much just reconstruction of my shoulder.
4: Had to tighten it up for me. Now, you're uh, regarded as one of the better cover corners out here. Are they doing anything different? It looks like you guys are looking for the ball a little bit more in these drills leading up the spring ball.
6: Oh, uh, yeah, you know. The main thing at corner is, you know, pl- make plays, be a playmaker. And the only way you can do that is finding the ball. So, I mean, I know I pride myself, you know, trying to find
4: the ball and make plays. And I'm sure the other
6: corners and defensive backs do
4: as well. They're pretty deep at receiver there. What are they doing <laughs> to prepare for spring football? You guys got a, a lot of big guys over really got to face.
6: Yeah. Uh, What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, Pretty much, we, um, you know, trying to find another intern for coach. So, basically, all we've been doing is working on our, you know, footwork. You know, working on uh, coming out of our breaks. You know, same old stuff. Just trying to, you know, build up as a group. And when spring comes... And it's time to guard those guys. Our feet will be right because that's basically what matters the most, your footwork. And we saw Chris Richard, former DB, out here. Is he, he's working with you guys a little bit? Yeah? Uh, he was here, um, what was it, last Thursday? <laughs> I think so. He was out there, and today we had another guy. So I think they're kind of, you know, just giving the guys chances to find out who they really want for the position.
4: Now, um, Josh Pinker's another guy coming off an injury. Do you think he's going to be with your group or safety? And how's he feeling? I honestly
6: don't know. He can play either or, you know, everybody knows he can. But uh, it's pretty much whatever the coaches feel is necessary. Um, I'm thinking he's going to play corner, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. I just hope he's healthy and, uh, you know, he's performing at his best.
4: Now, Terrell Thomas left for the NFL. Yeah. You're looking to replace him. Did you get to watch any of him at the combine today to and yeah. see what was going on?
6: <laughs> I, I woke up early in the morning to watch him today. He, did, he had a really good 40, and uh, I only saw him do a couple drills, but when he did it, you know, he looked really smooth and fluid, and he
4: looked good. That's a money position, though. So, I mean, you he know, if you, can,
6: if you can cover guys, you can yeah. get paid in the NFL. And, and they take a lot of guys in the first round at corner, so, you know, everybody <laughs> wants that. Well, hey, thanks for your time and good luck. I appreciate it.
3: Stay tuned for more of the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California.
5: Hey, USC Trojan fans. To get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to USCfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com Network.
3: And now, welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.
4: All right, we're back at the Parastyle Podcast. Remember, if you uh, have any questions or comments for us, you can email us at podcast at uscfootball.com. This is Ryan Abraham, and in this segment, I'm going to be joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde, uh, over the phone. Coach Hyde, how are you doing today? Hey, I
0: couldn't be better. You know, I was born ready. Whenever you want to talk about football, Ryan, you got to be ready. I'm ready to play. You know, right. you never
4: know when I'll get that last kickoff coverage. No, you're bringing your A game every time. We appreciate that. And uh, today, we're going to talk about spring football a little bit, and Kind of get your feeling on what you think this team needs to work on this spring. Well, you know, uh, I'll tell you, first
0: of all, when you have great players, you try to improve these great players, and you have these great players compete, as Coach Pete Carroll really does. Competing daily against the best players in America makes you a better football player. You don't have to compete just once a week, like a game, but you compete every day in practice, not only during spring practice, but during the year. But if you'd like me to go down and look at the different positions and tell you what I think the Trojan uh, football staff will be looking at and trying to develop during the spring, I will do that.
4: Yeah that'd be great. I mean I think we can the, probably the most interesting battle this spring will probably be a quarterback. Um, you know obviously Mitch Mustain and uh, Mark Sanchez are the two front runners. Aaron Corp more of an athletic guy. looks like he still needs to develop a little bit. but I guess we could start there and get your thoughts on that.
0: Well, let's look at the quarterback position. first of all, You're so fortunate to have great competition at quarterback because these guys will make themselves better. They're competing now when they work out in the weight room, when they work out throwing to the receivers, when they go to meetings, when they look at game films. They they try to learn from each other, plus they're competing. They'll help each other, yet when they get on the field, it's, hey, man, I'll tell you, this is my turn and I want it. So when you have great competition, these guys are winners. Winners. First of all, they wouldn't go to USC unless you want to play for a national championship. Winning the Pac-10 is something that you want to do, but winning a national championship is why do you, why you go to USC. Now, now that I've said that, that's why Mustaine's they're going there. That's why uh, Barkley's already committed. That's why you've got Aaron Corp, and that's why you've got Sanchez there. So I think what's going to happen in the spring, I think the coaches are going to try to find what quarterback best fits in with what they do offensively at SC and find out what form of offense will fit these quarterbacks. I mean, remember, it's got to be something that they can do together. It's got to be something that if you lose your starting quarterback, the backup quarterback is in a position that they can still perform the duties that the first team quarterback has done. You don't want to change your offense. For an example, take a look at Oregon this past year.
4: Right. They
0: lost Dixon and all of a sudden Rit Leafer came in and and it was it was a complete different deal. They they couldn't they lost their whole season. I think they lost five or six straight games until they went to the bowl game.
4: It was amazing that they would have a backup like like Leif for Dixon when, you know I guess they weren't exactly sure what offense they were going to run. They brought in that offensive coordinator from new hampshire i believe it was so it's probably going to take them a while to get a bunch of quarterbacks that are similar to dixon so when you do have a guy go down you know they're going to be able to step in and, and perform you know as well in the same offense without changing things
0: you're exactly right and fc has done that they have the same type of athlete at quarterback they're all about the same i, I think aaron uh a, a step faster than the others But they're all tall, they're all big, they love to throw, and they're intelligent quarterbacks. So I think what will be happening in the spring at USC, they'll be battling to see who will have the edge, who's going to get the edge in going into fall camp and opening on the road at the University of Virginia. Because when you come back, I know Coach Carroll will say, I'm not quite sure we'll decide in the fall who's going to be our starter. But in the minds of the team and in the minds of the coaching staff, they're looking for the leadership that the team looks at to be their leader in the fall when they start fall camp and go on the road. Because remember, the Trojans have a big X on their chest. They're the team that everyone looks forward to playing. They're the team that will sell the ticket. So uh, they are a show that's on the road, and uh, I'll tell you, that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at who is the leader, who is the one that best performs it, who does the team look to, and who the staff gets confidence in and sees that confidence in. So... They are looking for that type of leadership in the eyes of the offensive linemen and receivers when they look into the eyes of the quarterback and say, hey, I just heard what he said, so we're going to do it. We're going to follow his direction, as they did with Matt Leinhart, as they did with Carson Palmer. If you remember when Matt Leinhart played, I called him the 12th man on the field. He would wave off signs and run his thing, and the players listened to him, and I think this is what they're looking for.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, they got two good guys that, that to choose from at least at the top with Mustaine and Sanchez. It's actually uh, apparently it's Mitch Mustaine's birthday today, so happy birthday goes out to him. Um, mustaine has got eight starts in the SEC. You know Sanchez got three starts in this program, so it should be a great battle. We'll have to, to see how it goes. I, do you do you give Sanchez the edge right now? Unless Mustaine really outplays him in the spring, I would say you have to. He's he's been there. He knows the offense.
0: Uh, I think that. Uh, Mustaine got a lot of turns in the spring, though. Remember, when you're the scout team quarterback and you're going against the top defense or one of the top defenses in the country every day, throwing against that secondary and those linebackers, you get better. You get better every day because you're servicing the defense. So Mustaine didn't really miss that much. He just was everybody else's quarterback. But he got a lot of throws against a great defense. When the breaks were there, he saw how they reacted. So he got better this past year. Not playing in the games, but he's got the game experience, but he got better going against a great defense. People forget that. Yeah, and
4: he, you know, obviously he played against a lot of really good defenses, a lot of athletes down there in the SEC. So he's nothing's going to surprise him when if he gets on the field as, as a starter. Um, one of his teammates is actually Damian Williams, his former teammates from uh, from Arkansas and Springdale High School, and now his current teammate again, uh, I talked to Mark Sanchez earlier. He thought that Mitch, that uh, Damian Williams was the uh, if, if not the best, and one of the best receivers they have right now. And we, you know, Jordan fans haven't got to see a lot of him. What do you think about this receiver group as a whole? No one really left. Everyone, pretty much everyone's coming back, uh, but they kind of underperformed last year. I think they did. I think what
0: they're going to really work on this spring is the receiver group. I think this is the group that has to improve the best or the most. Let's say I think they have to work on their blocking. I think they have to become complete players. You know, When you talk about a complete player, you talk about a player that's a great receiver, can make the clutch casts, can dive for the football, does not drop, drop footballs, and when it's a running play called, go out and give a 100% effort on blocking the opponent who you're supposed to block. And I, and I didn't see that, not, not that not I'm being critical, but young players don't know what the complete role is. The complete role is being a complete football player. You're evaluated when you run off the field, you run off the field, when you block, when you run, when you when you know the route is not coming your way, but you run that route as hard as you can or harder, because you might become the primary receiver if everybody else is covered. So I think this group of receivers has the talent, but they're waiting for the game breaker to break out. Who's going to be the game breaker? Who's going to be the guy, Steve Smith? Who's going to be the Mike Williams? Who's going to be the Jared? Who is going to be that guy? I didn't think we had that guy last year when I say we USC. So I think they're going to try to find that, whether it's a Patterson, a kid that redshirted. Is it Williams going to be that? I think Patrick turner got to really step up now and be the player that everybody anticipated to be. Asbury, I think, started to improve towards the end of the year. Uh, Carswell is a guy I really like. I really like Brandon.
4: He was really, really good in the, those, when you're talking about Mustaine doing well in the the scout team drills carswell was his favorite receiver during that time
0: i tell you i thought he looked great in fall camp i really did and he's a 6'2 about 185 pound uh receiver and he's got good team speed and you gotta have team speed to be respected deep like johnson uh, i think johnson's got to step up he's got to get his turns ronnie johnson's a great player with williams and johnson and then you've got carswell and patterson who was hurt last year back these are game breakers in the receiver department, you've got to get somebody who's the home run guy. And if you can get two home run guys, now you've really spread the field. Now you've really put the secondary in a position where, wow, I've got to play pass before I come up and support on the run.
4: Yeah, I I think you're right. And I think that'll open up Patrick Turner's game. And, you know, him being a senior, everyone's kind of expected big things out of him being the next Jared or Mike Williams. Obviously, that hasn't really materialized yet. He's been been good, but not great, and uh, I think there's some pretty high expectations for him going into his senior year, too. Right, and I, and,
0: and Ryan, I don't want to forget uh, Videl he's Hazleton. I thought last year that he improved the most, and towards the end of the year, I thought he was the closest thing to a game-breaker, the closest thing to making a catch, and then making extra yards after the catch. I really did.
4: Yeah, he, he did really well the yards after the catch. I think his most memorable one it was against Notre Dame, where he caught that ball, I think, on the left sideline, and Ran it all the way in. Uh, he actually um, had a stomach injury, and he should be okay. He's not taking part in the workouts right now. He was just down there at, at USC yesterday, but he will be. He says he's going to be ready for the spring, and he probably improved the most out of any of the receivers last year.
0: I agree, hundred percent. And remember, players want to get back and compete. Players want to get back and play. That's why they're at USC for the competition. But you don't want to bring a player back that's hurt to quickly. When you do that, you could lose them for the entire year.
4: Yeah, they have enough receivers if, if Vidal's not 100%, no reason for him to go this spring. I think he's proven enough in the fall, and he, he'll be able to do that again this fall. So I agree. Alright, so let's look at the uh, running backs. Another big group. Uh, you know, you lose Chauncey, you lose Desmond Reed, those guys are out of here. Um, fullback, you have Stanley Havili. he looks like he's pretty solid in that spot. But there's a lot of guys vying for time at running back. I mean, you got I mean, everyone knows Carroll loves Joe McKnight and his ability to make plays and maybe use him in the slot a little bit more. But who's going to emerge as that number one guy? Is it going to be Stephon Johnson or C.J. Gable again? He's coming back. What do you think?
0: Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I think that has to happen uh, with the running back situation, I think this spring going into the fall, is you've got to understand that everybody's not going to play. I think you've got to have a, a meeting with the offensive backs and you've got to say we've got great competition here. But it isn't going to be a recreational program. It isn't going to be where you're in one play and out one play, and you're in another play and you're out one play. First of all, you never get a feel of playing football. You never get a feel of reading your blocks. So if you run the one play wrong and you know what you did wrong, you might never get a second chance to run it again the right way. So you've got to get down, you've got to cut it down to four backs, uh, maybe three tailbacks and one fullback or two fullbacks. Now with Broderick Green, I, I, you might have two fullbacks and yeah. and two tailbacks because he's a great back along with Mark Tyler. These might be two of the best bats along with Joe McKnight that are there. And I think you have to have a tailback that can be a receiver because you have athletes that can do that. So you've got to work on the catching of the backs, and you've got to also, also utilize the fullback uh, in not just routes as a split receiver, but routes down the seam, routes, curls, complimentary flat routes, uh, out of the backfield, not necessarily as a receiver as USC used them last year. A lot of, a lot of catches that Havili got last year, he got him as a split receiver and he dropped a couple and got a couple intercepted on, on tips and so on because he doesn't get, he's not a receiver, but he causes stress. And so when I look out there and I see him out there, if I'm a defensive back, what I'm going to do is come up and bump him and play him man. I'm going to disrupt him, get him off his route so you do not catch the short pass, and he's not going to run by me, so I think it limits you offensively, but when you put him in the backfield and bring him out of the backfield or down the seam with a linebacker covering you, or when you spread the field and run him in the flat and, and send him down the seam, I think he's a bigger threat on, on, on plays like that.
4: Yeah, he creates mismatches for, from those formations.
0: That's right. Rather than put him out as a split receiver, you've got great split receivers, so I really think that I really think that in the in the offensive backfield position, it's going to be wide open in the in the in the spring. They have a, a back, I think one back coming in, but they're going to play him at, at a defensive back or two backs coming. They're going to be defensive backs in the fall. So I would say, hey guys, whoever emerges here in the spring, that's going to be our backs. Now we're going to have fall camp competition. We don't want you quitting or transferring, but you got to find out who it's going to be. You got to find a role for Alan Bradford. He's yeah. a great player. He's not going to be a Running back, and make him a linebacker, a strong safety, or something. He's a great athlete. Stephon Johnson's a great athlete. Broderick Green's a great athlete. Joe McKnight's a great athlete. And you got to look at your tailbacks like Tyler McKnight, uh, Johnson, uh, uh, C.J. Gable, who will be back. I'm trying to remember all the names.
4: There's, you, there's so many. It's hard to. I mean, ahead. I agree with what you're saying. Is trying to get a, a rotation of two, three, four, whatever guys, but then you're you're leaving some pretty. Highly talented guys sitting on the bench. Well, that's the way it is. That's why you go to USC.
0: I'll tell you, there's been a lot of great backs that have sat on the bench uh, in John McKay's era, tailback, and so on. But you're a better football team when a player gets to play his reps and knows what the feeling is to get hit and knows what he did wrong the last play and correct it and do it right the next play and be in the same huddle all the time. So you've got to design an offense where your tailback, since they like to split the tailback and you put in receivers a lot of times, you've got to be able to run your tailbacks in motion to make him a slot or set him in the slot and bring him back to a a running back position and be able to utilize the McKnight's, the Tyler's, these type of great backs as they did Reggie Bush as a running back and a slot, and then be able to use the Havili's and the Greens and so on as complementary routes and running backs on short situations as blockers in the flats and seams and so on towards the tight end side or split inside, depending what the coverages are. So I think that's what they really got to work on in the spring is deciding who's going to be what, how they complement each other, and, and, and let them know that, hey, it's not going to be a recreation program as it was this year.
4: Yeah, all right, good points, Coach. And then uh, real quick on the tight ends, they lose the uh, Mackey Award winner, Fred Davis. One of the guys that I really like is uh, uh, Anthony McCoy. He looks really good out there, big, strong, fast. has got good hands. Blake Ailes coming in could be an X factor. Who knows? Red Ellison, they really like catching the ball. And Jimmy Miller is over there as the veteran. Uh, what do you think they are going to expect of this group trying to replace Fred Davis?
0: Well, I don't think you're going to replace Fred Davis. Uh, I think you can replace Fred Davis as a blocker. One thing that Fred didn't do real well was he wasn't a great man blocker off the line of scrimmage. He worked hard and tried hard and did well. He was a great receiver. He was a mismatch in the secondary, okay? He was a split receiver that they brought down and taught him how to block, okay? And I think that's his one shortcoming in going into the NFL is is his blocking ability, and I think he's going to work on that and get it and get bigger and stronger. So uh, I think you've got to work on the blocking, plus you've got to have that same threat that Fred Davis gave you. Will you have that same threat? No, absolutely not. I don't think these guys are first-round draft choice potential, but I think that you can complement them and you can do things with them to help them become great uh, tight ends by doing routes and doing things that they can uh, do. Fred Davis could run go deep. Uh, Fred Davis could do everything. So you run more drag routes, you run some curl routes to the open area, you do some wide delays, uh, you do some uh, arrows, straight arrow routes out to the flat. Uh, you do things uh, that more tight end, you make it more of a tight end type of offense until one of these receivers emerge as a guy that's the complete players. Now, the young kid you mentioned from Orange Lutheran is a great athlete.
4: Like yeah. Yeah,
0: and I believe that probably halfway through the season, he will emerge and play, uh, say, 30 plays a game or more. Uh, the reason why he won't play early is because you've got Virginia and Ohio State early. And I'll tell you, when you go to Virginia, it's going to be tough. You've got to have veteran player. Uh, not that he isn't a great athlete to play there, but you've got to go there with somebody who's been in the big stadiums with the lights on. And with Ohio State coming to the Coliseum the second week or the third week after a bye, I'm telling you, you've got to have somebody that's been in the big lights, like the Rose Bowl, the UCLA game, and other big games, Notre Dame. But I think as the season goes on, you'll see this kid play.
4: Right. All right, Coach. Well, uh, we're out of seg- time for this segment, so we can uh, talk about the defensive players next week. But, again, thanks for your time, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time.
0: Good. And next week, let's do the offensive line, because that's really important, too.
4: Uh, yes, we need to talk about the offensive line, too. Okay. Well, thank All right, you very buddy. much, Coach. Hey, thank you very much, Ryan. It's always a pleasure.
3: You're listening to the Parastyle Podcast with Ryan Abraham and the coach, Harvey Hyde.
5: Hey, USC Trojan fans. To get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to USCfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com Networks.
3: All right, Trojan fans, it's time to get up to speed with the recruiting blitz from Gerard Martinez.
7: Taking an unofficial visit to USC Tuesday night, Corona Centennial four-star linebacker Vontez Berfick received an official scholarship offer from Trojan head coach Pete Carroll. Before leaving campus, Berfick became the Trojans' 10th commitment of the 2009 class. Although he announced his intentions of committing to USC three weeks ago at the rival's five-star academy, Berfick admitted committing was easier said than done.
2: Like, it was, you know, I got offers, like, most every day. I was like, man, every time, every day I go to school, it was like, I'm like, you got another offer, you got another offer. I'm like, man, it was like, so what are you going to do about USC? I'm like, I'm going out, because this was today. He was like, are you going to go today? I'm like, yeah. So wait till I was like, I was thinking a lot of ways, Like, man, should I really do this? And I was really, uh, you know, really getting to mind. Like, yeah, I think I should do this, because if I do it early, you know, they can help me with my grades. and give me enough time to you know, prepare, so I'm getting you know, get closer with them. And then by season,
7: you know, I'll be straight. Last semester, Burfecht earned a 3.0 grade point average. While he puts recruiting aside to focus on academics, his commitment to USC has become a motivating factor in the classroom. I
2: realize, like, you know, if I'm in class doing some work, I'm like, man, if I really want to go to USC, you know, I got to get a B in this class, so I think i will motivated a little bit better, so I think
7: I'll get it done. Burfecht's commitment follows a flurry of recruiting activity by the Trojans. Last week, USC added five new scholarship offers to the recruiting board. On defense, the Trojans offered scholarships to Alabama four-star linebackers Tane Patrick and Nico Johnson, as well as South Carolina defensive end Sam Montgomery and Texas four-star safety Craig Lawson. On offense, USC fans buzzed over the Trojan scholarship offer to Houston five-star quarterback Russell Shepard. Rated as the nation's number four prospect, regardless of position, Shepard discussed the excitement surrounding his latest college options.
1: You know, a lot of people keep a track of, keep track of what's going on with me. Um, that's something that, you know, uh, um, I really learned at a young stage. I started getting recruited when I was a freshman in high school. You know, I took my first unofficial visit when I was a freshman. So um, I've been doing this long, but um, it's been pretty exciting. You know, this last week, last couple of weeks, um, like for example, I talked to, um, um coach carroll then i talked to um coach coach um coach miles at lsu as well as um coach Mullen, the quarterback coach at west virginia so um i you know every day i just talk you know kind of talk to different type of coaches as well as um i received the offer from usc not too long ago
7: rounding out the week columbia south carolina four-star defensive end chris bonds made contact with the trojans coaching staff in an interview with uscfootball.com, Bonds expressed his interest in heading west for college.
1: I guess um, it's, I, I always tell everybody it's, it's a torn decision um, because US, or Southern Cal would be the only school I would go to that way. Um, Georgia's nice and everything else, but I mean Southern Cal goes Southern Cal. Um, and then if I stayed here in South Carolina, I'd just go to South Carolina. I wouldn't go to Clemson or anything else.
7: With your Recruiting Blitz, I'm Gerard Martinez.
3: And now, welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCfootball.com.
4: All right, welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. As always, if you have any questions or comments for us on the podcast, just send us an email, podcast at USCfootball.com, or you can always go to the site and drop us some uh, questions on the message board. We just heard the recruiting blitz from Gerard Martinez, and we are joined by Gerard Martinez on the phone to kind of follow up on some of that recruiting talk. How are you doing today, Gerard?
2: I'm hanging in there. A lot of news to get you today.
4: Yeah, there was uh, last week was pretty busy. It looks like USC sent out five offers, I believe, to all out-of-state kids. What are the chances of getting some of these guys, that, You know, especially when they're coming from places from like SEC country?
2: Probably pretty difficult. Um, it's a tough pool. You have to kind of wait on out-of-state guys and and get a feel for them, see how familiar they are with the program. And uh, obviously, if they're not familiar when they're offered, then uh, if they're going to make a decision anytime soon, then USC's chances go down a lot. Uh, They offered Sam Montgomery, uh, defensive end from South Carolina. They offered uh, two Alabama linebackers, uh, Tane Patrick and Nico Johnson. And I think of the five recruits that they actually offered last week, I think, those three are probably the most difficult pulls, obviously. They're in SEC country. Um, but I don't think any of those guys really have any connections to Los Angeles uh, or Southern California. So that makes it more difficult, makes the job harder on the USC coaching staff to kind of convince them to come west. And, uh, you know, and then the other two were Craig Lawson. And, um, Russell Shepard, the two Texas kids. And Loston is, Loston's actually, he was committed to Texas A&M early in the recruiting process after Texas A&M had that recruiting scandal with, um, with Francione where he was sending out, I guess, newsletters to boosters about recruiting. Uh, Loston kind of backed off his recruitment, didn't want to be involved with it so much. Uh, Texas A&M's still going to be in there now with the new coaching staff, but he's actually pretty, pretty focused on the SEC as well. Florida, Georgia, and even Clemson he's looking at. And then finally, you've got Russell Shepard, which he probably is looking as the most familiar with USC. Uh, I think that uh, when you have a recruit that's going to do as much research that he does and has done his homework on the programs, it gives USC a good chance. He's looking at academics. He's looking at the school as a whole, not just athletics. And obviously, in USC offers a lot. So. He's probably the guy they have the best shot at but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a good shot.
4: Yeah, know, he's done a lot of homework. I think he realizes that you got guys like Mitch Mustaine and Mark Sanchez, guys that were like number 1 in their class and also, you know, the number 1 QB in the nation Matt Barkley coming in for 2009. What what are the realistic chances of him coming in and winning the job and does he want to come here knowing that he could play end up playing receiver or playing defensive back or something like that?
2: Well, he's not – he can feel like he could play receiver, and he feels like he could be a pretty good defensive back. He said that in his all confidence in the world that he could play either position, become an All-American. He does want to come in and at least be given a shot, an opportunity to come in and compete at quarterback. And I think, you know, USC with Pete Carroll, that's their model. They want guys to come in and compete. I don't think they have any issue with that. Now, do they feel like he's going to be better in the long run? being a receiver or a running back you know I don't know I can't read their mind um, I think Russell feels like he could do that and I think you know maybe what's working for USC Russell Shepard was very familiar with Matt Barkley like I said he does his homework he does his research so if he's going to lose out the quarterback position um, at a school, why not lose it to the number one guy uh, in the nation that year? So he could come in and maybe he feels like he's going to better himself playing against the best. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then he's got uh, the number one quarterback in the nation thrown to him. So it, it, it works. There's, there's some reasons to think that USC has a shot, um, but he's got a lot of schools to look at. Last week he actually just uh, unofficially visited LSU and uh, almost committed there, so you never know how it's going to go. It's going to be an interesting process with a with a kid like that. I think SC just wants to be able to get him on campus and talk to him a little bit, and then they'll feel that they have some kind of chance with him.
4: Yeah, I mean he's an elite athlete, so if P Carroll can get him on campus anyhow, anyway, that's obviously going to be you know good for the program. They're going to play him somewhere if he doesn't win out at quarterback, and he could probably be the best at other positions as well. All right, so let's uh, let's switch over to the linemen, some of the big guys. Uh, Five offensive linemen, five defensive linemen signed in the class of 2008. What does that leave for the class of 2009? Do they only get a couple, or do they still want to try and get some more big bodies in there?
2: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be necessarily uh, a class of quantity. It's definitely going to be a class of quality. They want. They get guys where they can pick and choose the exact kind of guy that they want. Um, they've thrown a few scholarship offers, uh, offers out there on the offensive line. Um, John Martinez got a scholarship offer. Obviously, they've already got Kevin Graf committed. Um, I know Xavier uh, Suofilo is a kid that's very interested in USC. He's going to be probably a top 100 type lineman um, coming up for this next class. Uh, there are some guys out there. Mason Walters is a guy that actually approached us at the uh, San Antonio National Junior Combine in January and talked about, hey, you know, I kind of like SC, I haven't heard from them. I like a little, more, uh, you know, a little more attention from the West Coast. That's the kind of stuff that USC wants to hear. They can kind of sit back, be picky, bring kids into their camps, and then kind of decide, you know, who we want and who we don't want. Because it's not going to be a class where they can just throw a bunch of different offers out there and go after a bunch of guys. Um, I think the la- the last kind of bit of news coming out from offensive line uh, is-, is the kid uh, Xavier Nixon from North Carolina. That's a kid that's a possibility, showing a little bit of interest in USC. Um, talked about maybe getting an offer uh, in the next couple weeks. So, you know, there's, there's definitely... Uh, they can be picky on the offensive line. And with the defensive line, kind of the same thing, although I think with the defensive line, you can always recruit bodies at the defensive line. With the rotation, um, you're always going to use, you know, maybe six, eight guys uh, in a game, just throwing people out there, pass rush, especially in the Pac-10 when you have pass offenses and you've got guys that have to try to get upfield, you're going to wear guys out. So being able to bring in, Multiple players at that position is always going to be, I think, a high priority. So probably a little more, a uh, little more focus on quantity there, uh, more focus on quality with the offensive line this year. Makes
4: sense. You can keep guys fresh, and I think the players like to see when there's younger guys getting in, uh, you know, getting in the mix when you know on the offensive line they might be sitting on the bench. That's a good point there. One one offensive lineman I want to touch about, he was actually from last year's class, James Wilson. at Looked like, all intents and purposes, he had committed to USC, changed his mind, went to Florida. There's been some buzz on the boards. The Peristyle people have been talking about it quite a bit. I just want to get your thoughts on uh, James Wilson, if he's going to leave Florida, and if there's any shot of him coming to USC at this point.
2: Well, unfortunately, we haven't had any direct contact with James um, a lot of rumors swirling around. Uh, some pretty good sources indicate that he's, his intention is to transfer out of Florida. Um, you know, we don't know what he said to Florida, uh, if there's, you know, still a negotiation type period going on there where, you know, they're trying to keep him and, and maybe he's not feeling like he needs to be there. Uh, I think through the recruiting process, it was a very complicated recruiting process for him. He committed to USC early on. Uh, Seemed very solid in that commitment, but he had some issues uh, with his mother, didn't really like USC, didn't like him going cross-country, and uh, it's very complicated. I won't get into too many details, but it it was very complicated, and I think the kid felt bad, um, but he had to stay closer to home just basically to appease his mother. And in um, and, and, and that's what he did. Now maybe he's having second thoughts. Like I said, we haven't talked to James Wilson specifically, but we do have some pretty good sources that have indicated that he's actually looking to maybe transfer to Wake Forest. Not necessarily USC. Um, we have had no indication that he's actually contacted USC. Uh, but the rumors, the rumors have been that uh, he's, he's looking to go to Wake Forest, which was one of the schools I think he visited uh, during the recruiting process um, outside of USC in Florida. So that's something that could be happening down the line. Um, you know, he was a good kid, definitely enjoyed talking to him through the recruiting process, uh, definitely wish him luck You know down the way
4: Sweet, alright, well thanks for the information there Gerard, and that uh, wraps up episode 3 of the Parastyle Podcast you can now download us on iTunes, uh, just search for USC or Parastyle or podcast, you can find it on there, uh, we're actually one of the uh, featured podcasts under um, the sports college and high school category, so that's cool and if you ever want to get in contact with us contact with us, you can always email Parastyle, excuse me, you can email podcast at uscfootball.com. Thanks again for your time, Gerard, and uh, we'll see you guys all back next week with another episode of the Parastyle Podcast.
3: You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.